Hi, you're listening to the Mirum Talks podcast coming to you from the Mirum Stockholm office. We're talking with inspiring people from different backgrounds, sharing their opinions about change and new perspectives within the digital industry. So for this last episode of Miram Talks, it is only me and Melanie having a conversation on the different questions that we have asked our previous guests in the podcast. I think this opens up a next step for something completely new. So Melanie, <laughs> welcome to the conference room. Thank you. Uh, One of the kind of starting questions that um, that we added, I can't remember, in the second or the third podcast was, which is actually quite interesting, I think, is, is um, like, what is it that you know today that you wished you knew when you started your career? First of all, when did you start your kind of professional career? Well, I think it started with actually my first internship in 2010, because It was not like a internship where I would just like shadow someone and serve coffee. It was like a real like junior account executive supporting a senior person and being very hands-on on campaigns, etc. at TBW in Paris. So for me, that was like the very first uh, real career. Yeah, the yeah. real career, because that's also when I knew that I wanted to work in an agency okay. and do communications. Yeah. And I had worked on great campaigns then. So for me, it was really the starting point. Mm. But then uh, I would say that maybe a year later, I had a real job, full-time job. So eight years ago. Mm. What, what did you discover, which you kind of have an idea about now, how you mm. should have gone about that? Mm. Was there anything that's uh, regarding people, mm. regarding working with clients, like regarding working in a project? Mm. Or is there something that you're, you're wiser of now, Well, 10 years later? I'm not sure that it's really about, uh, like, in the work in itself. It's more around, you know, how do you drive your, like, professional path? I think that when I started, I had all those, you know, ideas of what a career path should look like. So you have to stay first for like three years in a specific company and then you have to do another three years to get a promotion in another agency and then perhaps you stay another three years somewhere else and then you can switch and go then on your to life finance. starts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I realized that that's not at all it and that, you know... Why is that? Why, why isn't it like that? I think it's because your object, your personal objectives and goals can change. I think it's also because life happens in general and that work doesn't drive everything that you do. Um, and also, you know, it may be that you end up in an environment where you thought it would be great and after like six months or a year, you don't feel comfortable at all in that environment and you really want to change. And I think one of the biggest learnings that I got from my experience is 
how to be happy at work and what does it mean and why it's important to have that in mind because mm -hmm. it really drives your motivation. It really drives you know, your impact also mm -hmm. on the work you do and your uh, performance as mm -hmm. a collaborator within a company. Mm -hmm. So what makes you happy? What's, what's kind of those ingredients? Mm -hmm. Because it seems like you thought, when you thought of your career, you thought that you were going to be happy Yeah. <laughs> Later. Yeah. And not right now, but what you discovered was that you need to be happy now yeah, exactly. in order to do something later. <laughs> yeah. So what uh, makes you happy at work? I think what makes me happy at work is being in an environment where people really care for each other and where you have a really a good sense of a group and a really strong company culture in which everybody feels comfortable in as individuals, but also as an entire group. And also being very clear on why we're doing what we do. I think for me, making sure that there is a meaning behind the work that the company does, but also behind the work that I do is really important mm -hmm. for me. And then I would say being in an environment that is that moves and you know where there is content constantly things happening and where you can, you know, you can see that things are boiling. Mm. around not like boiling with stress but boiling with ideas boiling mm. with uh, interest and not and you can feel that the company is moving forward and trying to like be innovative and trying to you know have a different approach mm. from uh, what if we're in the context of an agency that could mm. be seen as more traditional etc so that's uh, mm. kind of what really makes me happy and what drives me ultimately at work. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> no, I, I agree. Um, <clears throat> most of the things that you, that you said, I think, uh, I think the, the culture in the company, or at least work-wise, what I've uh, found out culture-wise is that um, I thrive the best Uh, in an environment where uh, people actually want to get things accomplished mm. <clears throat> and um, that everybody has kind of their specialty. They have their area of competence where they know they can deliver, but at the same time, they're, they have maybe in their career reached a stage where they have done so much that <clears throat> they are also open and kind of seeking maybe like new ideas or new ways of getting there because they they know how to do it if they were just going to do it by the book, but they're really searching for something, another angle to things. That's that's where I, maybe because I feel like I'm the same, I'm in the same stage. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of experience I can use in a lot of different ways, but I'm, what I'm searching for is to find that kind of partnership with the other like-minded mm -hmm. people where we kind of can explore those things together. Yeah. So for me, I think the most important thing is to, for me to, to thrive is that there is people know what they're doing and, and what they can do. They're not questioning kind of their own capabilities. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, they're open to, to maybe apply them in a, in a new way. Yeah. And if it makes me happy, I, I, I don't think I've actually ever thought about necessarily being happy at work or at least happy is kind of a term that like <clears throat> i love working mm. um, 
but I wouldn't say I've ever had a career, mm. but I've worked a lot. <laughs> that's, that's, but, and, and I don't know, it's, it's, I never looked at work as being a career and I never looked at work as if it's happy or mm. something else. For me, I think fulfilling is, is over a longer period of time. Mm. Like, hap like happiness for me, and that can just be a terminology thing, is like, am I happy entering the door in the morning, mm. going, going to work? And in that case, yeah, I, I can be happy. But the reason why I'm happy is because I know that after this week or after this month mm. or when we got to this mm. stage with this project, mm. I know that it can be fulfilling. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, some as things happen as they do in our industry, it's not always that it's. It can also be a disappointment, mm. and that doesn't necessarily make me sad either. Mm. It just makes me eager to try to get it fulfilled the next yeah. time. Yeah. So um, mm. I never viewed it like. Uh, yeah. I think that emotional. Yeah. My work. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, I'm just thinking that since it represents like 80% of your time in your life, yeah. and maybe it's because I'm used to French, you know, uh, office hours and yeah. not Swedish yeah. office hours, half hours. What do you mean by that? <laughs> I think you, like, I think definitely in Sweden, the work, like the personal life and the work life mm. is way more uh, balanced than in France, for example. And so I think that I'm still influenced by the French mindset where you spend really most of your life at work. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that your life at work is good mm -hmm. because otherwise you just feel like you're wasting your time and your life, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of mm -hmm. contextualizes a bit more my view on, on this. Yeah, I guess it can be. Um... But then for me, like my work is like my hobby, I think. Mm. Like, of course, there's other areas that I'm interested in mm. personally. If you would frame it like maybe I would be happy if I could do this type of thing. Like uh, there's a lot of uh, interest areas that I have that I absolutely could think about doing full time. Mm. And I think like if, you, if I look at my career, if you can say, or my work life, I think it just came to a point quite quickly where I actually thought myself to be valuable in a work, working environment. And uh, since I felt that, which I'm really happier about, actually one of the first let's say, bosses that I had, even though he maybe wasn't the most best personality, as, as a boss in, in, in many cases, he made it quite clear that what I was contributing with at work was valuable mm -hmm. for the company. And, yeah. and since then, I think I have searched for that kind of thing. Since And then since I am interested in, in people, kind of developments, mm -hmm. in psychology, in, uh, in technology, in media, like for me, in this context and in the next context I will step into, I think that mix will be there. Mm -hmm. So in regards to culture and kind of connecting back to that, like for me, it's, I'm not a writer, but if I would be writing books, I would be searching for those kind mm -hmm. of situations yeah. or those locations where I could kind of dive into what I think is, yeah. brings out the best in me in, yeah. in, in that sense. And, and for me, uh, working environment is, 
is the same. So when it's wrong, then it's it's then it's of course not fulfilling. Yeah. But when it is fulfilling, it's what I think about all the time, more mm -hmm. more or less. But at the same time, I'm I'm also a parent, so you know it's like parenting. You think about all the time yeah. as well, even though you're at work. Yeah. So there's a some streams that um that would be in my mind anyway. Mm. So even though I would be working in something completely different, I would still be interested in technology. Mm. I would still be interested in meeting people. I would maybe still be reading about it. I would still mm. be looking up news articles. Mm. I would still think about things in that sense, mm. even though I wouldn't be doing it work-wise. Mm. So what I see now is that I'm just getting paid for for doing yeah. <laughs> doing what I what I actually think is yeah. interesting. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It took me 40 years to... <laughs> Maybe not 40, but at least 20. Um, one of the, the other questions that we have kind of had when we have spoken to this notion on different buzzwords or different kind of concepts mm. or terminology that is within our kind of environment, mm. is there any kind of word or mm. saying or concept that, that's on your mind, like at the moment, either being something you think of as mm. something forward or something that you just want to cross over? I think that actually in the different uh, episodes that we've had in the past, we talked a lot of, around methodology and like transformation, etc. But there is one thing that is more related to marketing and communications that fascinates me. All clients ask for, I feel, is influence. And for me, I'm not going to say that I'm obsessed with influence, But it is a concept that I find very, very, very interesting because it completely, it has completely shifted the relationship between a brand and its ambassadors. But you would have thought that influencers would have been people just like you and me. And so, hey, we're giving more power to our consumers. But actually, we're, we have just like redefined what it means to be famous. You know, and for me, this is like kind of a buzzword that comes in conversation quite often, but we don't really use influence as we should. And I've recently read an article about how we should not talk about um, macro or micro influencers, but we should talk about micro and macro consumers. Mm. And I think that can definitely bring a twist to the game because then you really empower your consumers. Yeah. You don't empower some random reality TV person that you're going to pay X thousands no. uh, of no. euros for them to promote your product because nobody's fooled by that. And so, it, yeah. you know, it doesn't change anything. Yeah. It's just that instead of taking Brad Pitt... Or Julia Roberts, you're taking... Uh, But I guess they, they don't have a platform in the same sense. No, they don't. No. They don't. But I don't... Well, of course, you know, it's really important for a brand to access and to reach um, to its consumers and mm. potential clients through those new channels that mm. uh, influencers are opening for them. Mm. But it's just quantity. It's not quality. Mm. And yeah. And so depending on where you are on your journey as a brand, mm. 
I think agencies and consulting firms or whatever mm. types of advisors are out there should really help brands understand the concept of influence and what it can do for them mm. and really try to steer them in the right direction. Because if you're going to spend that much amount of money on top uh, tail influencers doing media buying on digital would actually bring you the same thing. Yeah most of the time yeah, yeah so for me that was the buzzword that mm. I, want, I wanted to so highlight what you think is that it's not really don't do influence mm. because you can reach the same things in another mm. way but rethink how you think about influence exactly yeah exactly <clears throat> for me personally i think like influence marketing or buying reach mm. which a lot of the time but it's i think the thing is that it's also context mm. because like if you only buy reach then you don't care about who you're actually mm. using mm. in their platform mm. so when you're choosing somebody buy into or get mm. them to buy into i think it's it for me it's like sponsorship mm. it's it's like okay so uh, if a brand sponsors a certain type of sport or a certain type of cultural activity yeah. like concerts or all of those let's say events have a crowd that is of a certain type of people and being in that context that's where you want to be mm. so and it's a lot of money that's being spent mm. on sponsorships where it's it's quite hard to see what's the kind of the business value mm. and it's a little bit the same with influence at least in my world is that it's of course it's part of the mix of things that mm. you should have take into consideration But it's also like, is it just the reach mm. or is it that you want your brand to transform in such a sense that if you collaborate with somebody or something, that it will actually start to position mm. you in, in, a, in a certain way. Um, I think my, the buzzword that I think, uh, or I hear a lot is, um, is regarding like content. For me, it's, it's. Content is, is uh, I understand, like, sometimes it is framed in such a way that the content needs to be created mm. in order to kind of deliver something valuable mm. for people to consume. Mm. But if you actually look, like, what is content? Mm. What is it? It's, okay, it's, it's texts, mm. it's images, it's films, it's uh, papers mm. putting another perspective like it's content is just a way of for me of telling a story about uh, like your opinion or your view mm. on your take on something that people can then connect to mm. and i actually think like all communication besides maybe really traditional advertising where it's just one key message yeah. all of that is is content yeah. since brands or companies wants to be in a more, let's say, genuine mm. situation or be regarded as more genuine since mm. it's a can be a consumer driver to kind of find those genuine brands mm. and companies. Mm. I think kind of the level of content that needs to be done, like needs to derive from mm. that. So it's almost like you would want to create a scale where it's okay. So here we have type of content that is really saying something about what we want to do and how we want to do it and why we're doing it that's one piece of content and then there's just ah we did a new packaging solution for sausage breads hot dog buns like what's that what's the content about that mm. like it's it's just like 
is there a story to tell? Yeah. Does that story yeah. derive for something that is like basic mm-hmm. in the company, yeah. like uh, sustainability? Then yeah. don't talk about the new packaging yeah. as just a new thing. Yeah. Then talk about your sustainability. And, yeah. Like for me, content is, I don't know. It's, um, it's just a, another way to talk about formats and uh, yeah. types of uh, communications. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's like what's the messages that yeah. you want to get across mm-hmm. and what's the content that yeah. supports those yeah. messages and it's but it seems like content in itself can become something. Yeah. And then because in a lot of situations there's um like if you are in a project and like let's say need to create a uh where we want to redo our website mm-hmm. or we want to create an app or we want to create a service or something like that it's really ah the first question is like does the existing content mm. that we have mm. support mm. what we want to do mm. or do we need to create new content mm. around that mm. and there's a lot of companies who where the content process actually doing the the stories in itself becomes really a hard work because yeah. they have been product focused mm. they haven't been storytelling yeah. focused so It's another thing to say something about why you're mm. doing something than actually showing what a certain product yeah. can do. But it's not like the stories are not there. It's mm. just they they haven't really liberated that type of storytelling. Yeah. And then what uh, should companies or brands should think about? So that kind of relates to what we're saying. For me, that yeah. kind of relates to what yeah. we're saying. I yeah. think that they should think about how to tell a story. It would seem obvious, but I think that we have found in the different, you know, projects that we've had here with our different clients that most of the time they struggle with telling a good story. And I would say that besides telling a good story, it's telling an authentic and genuine story. Yeah. Because for me, like consumers now, they don't want to be bullshitted anymore, especially when you take into consideration all like... Um, the inter- interest and involvement that we have towards environment, towards sustainability, towards making the world better, in, whether socially or economically mm. or uh, environmentally. I think that there is like a general feeling of I'm done with that shit, you know. Mm. And at some point, it will catch up with brands and companies and they will have to be much more transparent and much more clear on what do they what is the value that they bring mm. and i think that kind of to solve that is to be clear on the story that they want to tell and why do they want to tell that story what yeah. do you think no i agree because i don't know it can be as fluffy as i wanted mm. <laughs> or there is something about a better world if it's better world for for you to cook your dinner right now Mm. or if it's a better world for your children in the future Mm. like that that level of perspective Mm. i think on but there is there is more to a brand i think Mm. than just the products it makes or that the price it takes Mm. or so i think it's what what makes one brand or one company valuable there's some other dimensions to it mm. in regards to what does that mean what like why do you trust why do you trust this well because it's it's built into the way that they do their development mm. that i know even though this product or that is on the shelf is maybe not as relevant to me i know that the company behind it or the brand the next product that they will do since they mm. have this thinking built into them yeah 
that it's going to be relevant. And I think in that, how persistent companies or brands are to keep mm. that kind of mission or storyline into their into their content mm. or storytelling is important because I think people will trust mm. those who are consistent in delivering mm. and talking about what they believe. Yeah. And I'm not going the whole Simon Sinek mm. way because I don't think I don't think that it's everybody buys why people yeah. are doing something. Mm. Sometimes we also by how yeah. or what, yeah. but um, consistency needs to be there in yeah. in those in those areas. Me myself, I get extremely frustrated when I because some products or even services you only visit occasionally, yeah. and when everything has been changed six months after, yeah. even I can be entering the supermarket now. Somebody has come up with a new idea on on how to where the product should be put or yeah. where they should be. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to like relocate and <laughs> the trip to the supermarket takes one hour more than, than, than it actually should, even though that kind of learning experiences, sometimes it seems like those changes, are they like, are they, are they just to make a, a, diff, a, a change yeah. or is it actually because that it brings value yeah. for kind of the consumer in that sense? But I think it's, for me, it all comes down to, um, being able to find the right balance between making profit as a company, uh, creating value for your consumers. So moving into some of the wrap-up questions yeah. that um, we have also um, asked in different podcasts. So starting starting with, I can ask you the, the first one because I know you're really <laughs> into this as well. So what show are you currently watching and on which channel are you watching it? So I'm currently watching two different shows on two different platforms. Okay. So I started um, watching with my husband Carnival Row on uh, Amazon Prime. No, on Prime Video, sorry. Mm. Um, so it's this very like sci-fi, fantastic uh, uh, kind of TV show led by Orlando Bloom and Cara Delevingne. Wow. So it's very, I, I think it's kind of underrated because I have not like heard a lot of things about it. But the story is quite good. It's like in this alternate world, kind of um, referring to the 19th century, like London, but in a world where humans live with fairies and like with uh, minotaurs and things like that and how there is like minorities and how to deal with those minorities and then the parliament has to come in because some minorities are being murdered etc and of course you have like a love story between Orlando Bloom and Cara Delevingne that for me is really not credible but that's something else but um, they have really like succeeded in creating like a sci-fi universe in terms of decor, photography, scenery that I think is really nice. So it, mm. I found it very entertaining. Okay. So that's for like, uh, yeah, you know, your Thursday nights where you need to be chilled up for the weekend. And the name of the series again was? Uh, Carnival Row. Carnival Row. Yeah. Okay. And then I'm watching uh, Pose on HBO Nordics. 
which is a completely different setting. And it's created by Ryan Murphy. He has done Glee, he has done American Horror Story, and I think he's the creator also of The Politician on Netflix. And so it's, it's, um, it's happening in the 1980s, late 1980s, going into the 90s, actually. It's about like the uh, transgender community in uh, New York um, and like all the voguing and posing scene, etc. And how this minority is struggling to survive in that environment. Mm -hmm. And that's very, very interesting because, well, of course, it highlights like a a community that has been struggling for a long time. And but I think it is done so with in a very like... um, Lagom way, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Um, it's very emotional, but not too much. You know, there's a little bit of comedy, but not too much. It's a bit tragic, but not too much. So it's really, really good. I would almost see it as like historic piece. Mm. I would say. What are you watching? Well, right now I'm actually there's nothing I'm currently watching. I watched. The latest thing I watched was by your recommendation, (laughs) (laughs) Working Moms, which I actually thought was a documentary about uh, like like Hollywood wives or something (laughs) like that. Not at all. But it wasn't at all and it was actually quite entertaining. So um, since I finished that like last week, there's nothing new that I have jumped on. Okay. So... um, but I'll be looking into those that you mentioned. Yeah. And then um, the next question was, what's the latest app or service that you've just subscribed to? Hmm. Now I have to check my phone, actually. I'm the, um, I download a lot of apps yeah. all the time, but I don't use them that yeah. much. It's just kind of an entertainment. But actually, there's, there's one app that I downloaded just this weekend, yeah. which I started looking at and that's uh, Google has created this it's called Spotlight Stories Ooh, I don't know about that which is um, let me download that now which is uh, I think it's like really professional illustrators and uh, kind of uh, directors or makers that films that kind Ooh. of okay. makes animated or smaller kind of stories uh, that are made for I would guess it's maybe more kind of VR uh, thingy, but uh, mm. I'm I'm quite interested in kind of animated and another type of animated kind of storytelling. Okay. And then since I'm fascinated by the craft that goes into mm. creating these and uh, so on, so that's that's uh, that's the latest kind of app I think I I downloaded. Mm. Service wise, I don't think I have signed up for any new. Mm types of services in the last period but i'm i'm, I'm looking for a service <laughs> that is maybe not existing at the moment but is since i live in a house mm. and uh, <clears throat> i'm quite keen on shifting to solar energy yeah. for providing that it seems like all the companies that provide these services mm. and they're just very non intuitive Mm. non-emotional uh, regarding it. It's about kilowatts. It's yeah. about the size of your roof. Mm. It's about investment that you mm. want to make and, and these things. It's But they're not showing like, okay, the real drivers for me mm. to, to make a change is because 
reduce my footprint, mm. uh, to be self-sufficient mm. to some degree, that I'm shifting to more and more electrified mm. items like uh, my son's moped or my next car is going to mm. be. So I see this kind of ecosystem in the horizon where I think this would be a very nice uh, way of, of handling that. But I haven't found any kind mm. of service. If there was a service like that, I would s- subscribe mm. to it directly, I okay. think. Because like... I want to be in a future where that is on my roof yeah. and what impacts the world and that, but I don't really care about the kilowatts yeah. right now. That, like <laughs> that's not, or uh, maybe there could be other ways than putting it on the roof. Like, yeah. like I don't know what's the, so I'll be looking for a service like that. Okay. So is that the product of the future that you're still waiting for, which was our third question? No, I don't no. think, <laughs> well, at least when I was, like 15, 16, and I was thinking about the future. I don't think I was thinking about solar energy or solar panels. Now, in that sense, I'm more into kind of the autonomous cars, that part of it. I'm totally uninterested in any type of engines, Mm. motors, all of this, but I driving fast or kind of that emotion that when you're moving, I think everybody can kind of relate to that. So, So for me, kind of, having that that type of technology mm. that we're seeing in in like uh, Tesla's best models or the new Polestar from Volvo or from BMW or I would have thought that that would have been standard yeah. in today's kind of types of vehicles or cars yeah. that you would you would be getting I was hoping 5 years ago that we would be there at least now mm. and it seems like we're still 5 10 years yeah. until that happens and then i'll be so old that i won't be able to appreciate it in the same sense as i, as I would have been if i was there 10 years ago let me just put it that way i'm disappointed with the car industry <laughs> even though i'm totally not interested in cars so what about you is there some type of product of the future that you're still waiting for it's a, for me it's a very tough question because i think i would mo- i would i'm more into like not a product of the future, but like how maybe some current services can be improved in order to better already mm-hmm. suit our current life yeah. first, and then maybe see what products of the future can come about. But like yesterday, I was trying to book like a flight and a train for a wedding that is happening in May. It took me two hours to do it because mm. like on most of the websites, the price were not there and the tickets were not bookable. Um, then the combinations of trips did not work. So I would love if somebody could create some sort of like travel, like tailor your own travel package, mm. no matter what type of experience you're trying to get or no matter what type of actual travel you're trying to book but like making it easier to like create a combination of itineraries with like flights trains hotels if you have to book a car because every time even if you use like like a website like kayak or things like that every time you end up opening like five or six different tabs on your internet browser to compare the prices and then uh, oh, but Kayak is saying that, but then uh, Expedia is saying that, and then that other company is saying that, and then you have to check on the airline's website and on the like train company in France if 
those time can work together or not. Yeah. And that's just like a waste of time. Yeah. I actually, there was uh, Johan Fosper who we had on the on uh, one of the first podcasts. Yeah. He actually explained since he wants to be environmental friendly yeah. and he was going to, I think, Brussels yeah. or somewhere that, you know, the only way to actually fix train tickets yeah. from Stockholm to Brussels, yeah. that was like going in, standing in line at the central station yeah. in the end because you couldn't do it on a website. Yeah. And if you wanted to change maybe the path that you were going because yeah, you thought maybe ah maybe ah, we can stand in this town yeah. and then do a sightseeing and then take a later train mm -hmm. that just became an impossible mission yeah. yeah so i think there's probably maybe that's somebody listening out there yeah. to 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 create <laughs> yeah well, maybe that's a new type of service we yeah. Create that. Yeah. anyways the last question who or what do you find currently most inspiring well i'll let you answer first to that one uh-huh okay thank you <laughs> There's there's a couple of people that I I find inspiring most of the time, and I I pick up people they talk to. But the most inspiring people I person I think and has been for some time for me is uh, is uh, Sam Harris. I bought I read some of his books. I listen to uh, all of his podcasts, and um, I also have his uh, meditation app. And use that and and for me he is kind of a just a common sense mm. type of person but he's not he's not so rational that he doesn't understand all the kind of the emotional triggers but for me he's actually just trying to cut through the mm. clutter of uh, different opinions he he's a extremely intelligent person and he has a way of framing things that i think is really interesting then There's a lot of things that he's talking about in regards to maybe uh, religion and what's happening in the U.S. on the political front that I'm not that interested in. But his, his views on what is consciousness, how people think, I think is uh, just makes mm. a lot of sense. Mm. And it, it becomes really interesting. And then he has a lot of people on his, especially his podcast that he speaks to that, you know, pivots me into mm. new directions on, ah, I have to look up this scientist mm. or I have to read that book mm. and so on. So I would say at least for the last couple of years and currently he's probably the one that I find mostly inspiring. Mm. And he has he actually has a, a saying that I think uh, that I've really taken into account, which is that he, he says that thoughts think themselves, which is, I, I think, banal banal but also quite interesting because it, it seems like we as people or in companies and situations kind of expect there to be like a logic pattern of of how we how we think and then based on what we think what we then do mm. but since none of us have an idea about what we're thinking in five minutes mm. or in two minutes none of us have thought through mm what's going to happen yeah. then. So um, so there is some kind of, for me, it, it, I think it's quite inspiring to kind of that the future is quite open mm. and, uh, and uh, that whatever kind of pops up into my mm. mind or emotional being, that is what I will be pursuing that mm. until a new thought or direction pops up into that being. Mm. So um, I think that's uh, that's quite interesting because we the way we rationalize things we don't it's like we don't leave space for mm. that irrational thinking to happen 
What, what about you? Who are you? Well, I would say that there is this like African American ballet dancer who's called Misty Copeland that I really, really look up to just because her personal story and her background is something that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Like she's the very first like how can I don't know how you say that in English actually, but like when you're like the head ballerina. So she's let's say she's the head ballerina. Yeah. Of the uh, American Ballet Company, in like the prima donna or something. Yeah, like something that. like that. Yeah. And she's the very first African American uh, dancer to reach the highest rank and mm. highest like level of hierarchy in uh, American ballet. And you know, it has completely shifted the perspective on what is what can be achievable for young girls and young boys who come from you know, uh, different background, mm. um, but who are really like into ballet or even classical, um, you know, music. And, yeah. and they can see that somebody has succeeded and that it means that they can succeed as well. So, so she has like opened mm. a door. A, a door. Mm. And again, you know, it's about how, you know, there is a traditional way of doing things. And then somebody comes in and say, well, look, Mm. I can show you an, altern an alternate pattern. Mm. I think for me, this way of doing um, has a lot of, makes a lot of sense and I really relate to that. Mm. And then I'm going to be a bit cheesy, but it's actually tr true um, because I reread the question and it says currently inspiring. And I would say that my mom mm -hmm. actually is, uh, has been over the past few months, like, few months is a really big source of inspiration because she, you know, my dad passed away in December and and she just like woke up, stood up and took all over his business and has been running it for the almost the past year and very successfully. And it was not what she was supposed to do because she has her she had her own, you know, business that she was taking care of. And she's been doing that and it's working. And she likes it. And like, there was like, she didn't even ask, like, question the fact that whether she could do it or not, or whether it would work or not. Mm. She just went and do it. And it was the only, you know, thing that could happen in her, in her mind. And, you know, for me, it shows a lot of like strength and determination and, and kind of like, if you put your mind to something and you are in the right mindset, then you will succeed. So it has been a really good inspiration mm. for me. Good story. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what do you think happens next year? Next year? Oh, next year. <laughs> next year. With us, do you think we should uh, create a new, another format, mm. have a, another type of conversations? I think we should. Yeah. I think we should because I think we had like a good thing going and, um, and I think that the two of us understand things in kind of a similar way mm -hmm. and and we have a certain vision that is worth sharing actually yeah i so. totally agree so if anybody out there is listening stay tuned there will be a new context for me and melanie to have yeah. conversations yeah. and uh, maybe it becomes something different than mm -hmm. just a professional working conversation yeah yes definitely so that's it for us yeah thank, thank you, you. Thank you.